Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of In The Zone. This is episode 128. I'm Giancarlo Alino, as always here. Chris Martelli, Anthony Piniello, boys. We got to start off with Russell Westbrook and the Wizards. They're on a roll here. And uh, we got to give Westbrook some love because he hasn't been playing like this in a while. This is kind of like the OKC version of him. Uh, ever since he cut that hair and went back to the shaved look, he got his superpowers back. So uh, I'll start off with you, Piniello. What do you think of the Wizards, and uh, what do you think of Westbrook's play? Oh, man, he's been unbelievable the last little while. Um, for, like, the first half of the season, maybe more, you looked at Washington before they went on that little run, and you're just like, yeah, they're done. They're so far behind. They were 10 games behind the Raptors at one point, and we were far out of it. So <laughs> they went on this miraculous run. Westbrook has been one of the best players in the league during it. And uh, they found themselves in a play-in round now. They're in the 10th spot, yeah. So they're in that play-in round. It's all because of Westbrook. And then you got Bradley Beal over there. And those are a couple of players. If they squeeze, if they can stick in that play-in round, I would not want to play them at all, whether you're one of the other teams in the play-in round or if you're the Nets or the 76ers, that's a bad first-round matchup. So he deserves all the credit in the world, Westbrook. He's been unbelievable. Yeah, um, not a lot to add there. All I know is that when, when the season first kind of started and we saw um, that Beal and Westbrook were going to link up in Washington, I just kind of had a feeling that this guy was just going to be – like I knew it was just going to work out, even if they were really, really bad at times. And, you know, Wizards fans, you know, you're losing hope when there were even the rumors of Beal wanting out at some point, And it's like, oh, my God. Is this just going to be a flat-out disaster? And then, bam, they go on an eight-game winning streak. Uh, Russ, I think, like, during that winning streak, I think he was putting up, averaging, like, I want to say 25, 10, and 14 or some ridiculous style like that. But, yeah, he's been on a roll. Uh, I love everything that he's brought to Washington. You know, it's kind of looking, I want to say, not – as dominant maybe as the wizards were like 2016, but I would put them maybe just about there, just the, the way that uh, Russell Westbrook has played. And you look at how John wall used to play in 2016, kind of similar, except of course, you know, triple doubles come with Russell Westbrook. It's in his name. It's in his legacy. Uh, he dropped tw- his 12th in the month of April, which broke Will Chamberlain's record. And, when you think of record books, you usually think of guys like Wilt. You think of guys like Bill Russell. You think of guys like Kareem. These guys are, you know, pioneers. These guys really were cheat codes when you think about it back in the day. And, you know, in 20-plus years, when we start talking about the past in basketball, we're going to start talking about Russell Westbrook as that pioneer for doing the triple doubles. So um, I love what he's done in Washington. I've said since day one, since the season began, that this team is a playoff team. And I think we're good guys. I think we're going to see Washington in the postseason this year. Yeah, he really is playing like, I don't know, maybe like a couple of weeks ago, like he really set it off. And I guess everything was clicking with them. But if they get into the playoffs and play the Nets, can you imagine that matchup? Like KD, Harden on the other side of the court, Harden last year, him and Westbrook. I think if Westbrook didn't get COVID, um, like and re- he had to like recover a lot during that bubble. So, I don't know, the Lakers and Houston, they were pretty close those first couple games. I wouldn't have been surprised if Houston got through. So if Westbrook's back at like 100% now and the Nets struggling to get back into form because they've been having their injury struggles, is it too crazy to think that Washington could eliminate Brooklyn? Oh, man. I'll start that off. I'll still say, yeah, it's a little crazy. I see where you're coming from, though. Just because of the the run that Westbrook's been on, he's always on 100. He always gives it his all, triple-double machine. And he's willed them back into a into a spot here. But to, to take on the Brooklyn Nets, even assuming they're missing one out of their big three pieces, I still don't think it's enough to, to beat the Nets. Like a couple of – like six max, I'll say. But – that would be a fun first round matchup, but I don't see it going that far. Yeah, I would. Um, if Russ was a little more successful in the playoffs, I probably would say yes to that, but I'll say no just based off of, 
you know, Kyrie, he can get you 28 every game. James Harden, you know, he has that hamstring injury. But when he comes back, oh, God, it's going to be it's going to be a problem because we were saying that he was basically the best player in the league when he was playing. Kevin Durant, you know, uh, they've been playing it safe with him all year, whether we like it or not. He's he's barely played, but, you know, it's a business and you got to, you know, he's coming off a whole year ending injury. So Kevin Durant, you know, easing his way back into it. But when it comes to the playoffs, Alino, you we you're gonna we're gonna be in for a I think a treat. I think Kevin Durant is he's co- he's waiting to cook up some nice games in the postseason. I think I think Brooklyn's gonna go to the finals, and I think Kevin Durant is gonna he's he's gonna look I think like 2017 Kevin Durant when the playoffs roll around. I think he's that motivated with this new team. Oh, it's gonna be interesting. Uh... I don't know, I'm liking Russell Westbrook. Do you think now all the teams are taking notice? Like, is he going to be the biggest name this summer that everyone's going to go after? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he Who has to be. Like Kawhi, like they're all free agents or like they're not free agents, but they have their team option. You really don't know what, what can, especially with Kawhi Leonard, you really have no idea. But even Paul George, they both have, um, they're under contract, but they have a team option. So if they decline it, that means they both go to free agency. But I highly doubt that's the case if the Clippers do well this this postseason. But yes, Alino, I 100% agree. Teams are definitely looking at Russell Westbrook in a different manner than they were a year ago. I want to say this is probably... I don't want to say this is like twilight Westbrook, but I'll say this is peak Westbrook right now. I'll say maybe in a year, two years from now, I think it's going to start kind of catching up with him a little bit. His numbers will start, you know, uh, deflating a bit, but that's, that's normal. You know, he was putting up a 30 point triple double three years ago and everyone's like, Oh my God, he's, he's going to be putting this up these numbers for years. And, you know, it's just, it's not sustainable. So, but yeah, if I'm a team that needs a point guard, um, I know Russell Westbrook. He's he's gonna probably want forty million. I don't know if he's still. You know what I mean? Like, there's some guys out there. They know what they're worth. I think Russell Westbrook knows that he can get a max contract. The only question is, will he get a max contract? It's the type. Of, it's it's a tough scenario for him. You look at Chris Paul. He's 34, 35 years old, still getting paid forty million dollars, and that's actually looked at as one of the worst contracts. Even he's doing so so well. It's still looked at as a pretty hefty contract. So my biggest question, I guess, to bounce back on your question, Alino, is what, what do you really expect teams to pay for Russell Westbrook after this run he's been on? Do you expect the $40 million? Do you expect like a $30 million? Like I, I really don't know. I, I'm also kind of hesitant. I think teams might be a little worried to sign him long term. So I, I really have no idea with Russell Westbrook. But I know teams are definitely interested. What team would uh, what team can use him though? Because that's a guy that's gonna just flip the whole script. He's gonna change everything. Because I just think of the Knicks, really. Yeah, the Knicks, Boston, <laughs> Philly. <laughs> I think Philly would be the what best you, fit uh, if they could afford him. Would he work with those teams though? Mixing him with those kinds of players, like Philly specifically with Embiid and Simmons. Oh yeah, if Simmons moves to power forward. That's the only way that can work. They would have to get rid of Tobias Harris. Dwight Howard, Danny Green, but like if like Simmons would have to take a different role for that to work. But I think if Westbrook goes to Philly, that's crazy. Boston, it would be hard. Kemba Walker, but I and then the Knicks would be a good fit. It's just the Knicks, though, you know, at some point that might not be the best of uh, environments for them. I would actually say Boston and New York are like the two teams that I kind of think of. I was gonna say. Miami, but I really don't see Butler and Westbrook um, gelling well together. And that's just because they're two of probably the most vocal guys in the league. So I just, I already canceled that out. But when you look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and the, the type of characters that they are, they're very humble guys. They're not the loudest guys. You know, they're still relatively young. They're still getting a grasp on leadership in, in this league. So They've had a lot of experiments at point guard the last couple of years, all of them being superstars or relatively supposed to be in Kemba and Kyrie. And even Isaiah Thomas, when he was there, he was a superstar. So um, it's if you're a point guard and you're in Boston, it's been fun to see. But I, I could see Russell Westbrook actually 
going to Boston and making it work, just him being vocal, him being that leader, looking at a guy like if I was Russell Westbrook, I would love to play with wings like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on a nightly basis. That eases off a lot of pressure on him for scoring. And uh, I just think he would look great in that in that nice green jersey. So I'll I'll say uh, I'll make a bold prediction here. If Washington does not extend him and keeps the team, you know, relatively the same for another go around for next year, I could see him maybe going to uh, to the Boston Celtics. Oh, and uh, so you think the Rosen's going to be like if they everyone misses on Westbrook, is the Rosen the next guy that? They're going to turn their attention to. Take it out, uh, Pinello. I want to say yeah, but I don't know all the names. I know it's a pretty stacked class, but DeRozan's been, I feel like his name has been in rumors basically since he got traded the first time to San Antonio a couple years ago. But yeah, like this, you get one of this, it's not a Westbrook, but. This is an automatically a top two, three player on your team, regardless of who gets him. Another guy, too, where he's been the number one piece the whole time, so he'd have to take a bit of a diminished role, but still play a very important factor. So um, I don't see it in San Antonio, success-wise. Um, he wants to go. I'm sure he'll have suitors, though. Like, he's, he's produced 20 points every year <clears throat> since, like, 2011. So one of the top players in the league, he's still in his prime. Yeah, you should get a lot of interest. Yeah, I would say out of the two guys to to watch for free agency, I think these are the two guys that are going to be the most entertaining. You really have no idea where they can go and what the asking price can be, especially with a DeMar DeRozan. This guy has averaged well over 20 the last eight years of his career, and I want to say five of those eight years in Toronto, he was absolutely the number one option. He was ball-dominant. There were times he would play ISO. Yes, his defense was always kind of not the greatest, but, you know, I've noticed over the years he's improved in almost every other statistical category since going to San Antonio. His his playmaking, oh, my God. Uh, there's times I watch him, he looks like a point guard out there. Uh, then, of course, you look at his rebounds. He's getting a lot more aggressive in the paint. Uh, he's using his size a lot more. I don't know if you guys have noticed. He's looking a little more muscular than when he was in Toronto. That's just my opinion. So um, he's using his frame to his advantage. Again, he can be a pretty under, I wouldn't say undersized small forward, but when they put him at the three, he's he is a little bit undersized, but at the two, he's oversized. Like I can kind of compare him in terms of size to like an RJ Barrett. But yeah, with DeMar DeRozan, you really have no idea what team will really take a chance on him. Like I was saying for the longest time, the Atlanta Hawks were going to be a team to just go out, get a guy like DeMar DeRozan. Uh, he could be like a glue type player, be a fourth option, third, fourth option behind Collins and Trey Young. And that, that hasn't happened. And there are a lot of teams that need that type of role player. So the, like, for example, the way I look at this DeMar DeRozan thing is the way that Boogie Cousins has been portrayed the last two years. This guy I think he has so much more to give, and teams just are not giving this guy the opportunity. Houston gave him the opportunity, then all of a sudden just cut him and released him. I don't know why, but um, it's going to be really fun to see where DeMar DeRozan goes. Like uh, Pinello said, 20 points per game the last eight years. That's definitely, if I'm a GM, I look at that, I circle that um, for a team that needs offense, like maybe... Like Houston, I know he's probably not. He's probably going to want to go to a winning team at this point in his career. But you know, anything is possible. So uh, we're just going to have to wait and see, I guess, with Demar Derozan. Well, uh, moving on because this is a, a big story that's been developing uh, around in sports. Because after a long time of the NHL kind of being a little bit of an afterthought, being behind some of these leagues. Uh, our boy here, I'm going to pull up his picture because he looks amazing in this picture. Looks like he's uh, on a mission here. Our boy Jerry. Look at that. <laughs> he signed a massive deal with TNT. They kind of came out of nowhere, and uh, they got some rights now to the league. They had that first thing of rights in the States go to ESPN, so that was a big win for them. And now they're going to TNT where uh, – it's expected to be like the next few cups 
uh, finals there and a big lucrative deal. What are your thoughts when you heard about TNT signing a seven-year deal with the league? Oh man, uh, I thought I thought it was. You know what? I, I when I first saw that, I was kind of like, I was like, is this actually a thing? I didn't really, I wasn't really sure what to think of this at first, honestly, man. Like TNT, Turner Sports, you know, it's a seven-year media rights agreement. Um, I think the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Stanley Cup finals are all televised now on TBS and TNT. So it's going to be completely different. Um, In terms of like NBC being done, I really liked what they did. Um, But this is a new chapter for hockey. Uh, I don't know if this means that the league will become maybe a little more animated. We've been saying for... I want to say two years during our podcast, I remember it was during the All-Star week two years ago when we were kind of comparing the NBA All-Star game and the NHL All-Star game and, you know, how players interact with each other during the pressers. And we all kind of were saying that we want the NHL to become a little more animated, like have some players have a little bit more, you know, character, a little more flair on a regular basis. Don't give the same, you know, oh, you know, our team this, our team that. So, with that being said, going with that being said, going to TNT, I know we've seen it with we've seen it with basketball, we've seen it with Shaq, we've seen it with Chuck, we've seen it with all these guys. If this means that maybe we'll be seeing a little bit more entertaining hot takes, I'm all for it. Because like a lot of people have said with hockey, it's one of the best games to watch. But in terms of a identity and like a and a characteristic type standpoint, a lot of the guys say that hockey players are they tend to be uh, pretty boring when it comes to interviews. So if this means we can maybe see a little bit more uh, animation from these guys, I'm all for it with them going to TNT. Hockey is so fucking boring when you watch <laughs> other sports. <laughs> the league. Yeah, I, I love it just for that reason. That's that's really it. When you watch basketball, when you watch football, like – Everything is so animated and you can relate to guys. Everyone's a character in hockey. It's just very robotic and look at their eyes and it looks like they're reading a fucking script or in their 30 second interview. It's very forgetful. So uh, they're on a bigger platform over there in the States now. They got that big ass deal. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, it's kind of like the NBA's because they also have the ESPN. So uh, Stephen A and Max Kellerman once in a while will probably talk about it. Uh, yell back and forth and debate shit they probably don't know anything about or could care less about, but should be entertaining. Uh, This is what, actually, I just saw Bleacher Report tweet out. Uh, So this deal is a Stanley Cup final for three of the next seven seasons, half of Stanley Cup playoffs. Every winter classic for the next seven years will be on TNT. Uh, They got a partnership with HBO Max, so some of the games will be live streaming there. Uh, Bleacher Approach Bleacher Report's going to do a digital experience for new hockey fans. So already this is better than what I guess NBC was doing than hiring Mike Babcock to talk about Mitchie and Willie and all those guys. And uh, it seems like there's more of an effort now to grow the game. So the salary cap should go up now because of this. But like I think this makes it more exciting. Like It puts them on that level. Like You saw hockey players kind of like you guys mentioned. They're pretty boring. It's like militant. Like, how'd your game go out there? Oh, it was good. All right, that's good. There's a talking point. So this is good. You see Chuck there. I hope we see him as part of the team, uh, NHL on TNT. And uh, here's an, uh, another question. Uh, how long before we see Connor McDavid show up on uh, AEW? Oh, that that's going to happen in a week. I'm calling that now. He's going to go out there and he's going to – Give a nice DDT, maybe a botched DDT to John Moxley and then call it a day. But uh, I don't know, man. Like with this TNT stuff, like we talked about it for a long, long, long time with hockey players. We kept saying, you know, it feels like it's scripted every time they get interviewed. Even what like last year when Matthews and Marner and they got eliminated from the, from, from the playoffs against the Blue Jackets, it was the same answers. You know, you can't show that you're pissed off. If someone asks you a question, you got to just say, yeah, you know, you know, it is what it is. You know, we were out of position, blah, blah, blah. The same old answers. But what I've noticed, what I've started to notice, and I don't know if you guys have re- like watched, but Kevin Bieksa going on the panel at first, I really didn't like it. But like the more like he's actually starting to talk more 
in like a hockey player type of way. And he's bringing a different dynamic to the whole panel in general. Like we've had, we've had Elliot Friedman, we've had David Amber, we've had uh, Kelly Rudy for the longest time. And, you know, they've been doing such a great job professionally, but at the same time, you look at what TNT has done with the NBA, with Barkley, with, with, uh, with Kenny, the Jet, and with Shaq and with Ernie, you know, they're professional, but at the same time, they bounce off each other's, uh, you know, emotions. They're very, very entertaining. So my biggest question is, and I'm very curious, is I don't know who the panel is going to be for NHL when they talk about TNT, but we all know that Chris Jericho, CM Punk, they are big, they're big NHL fans. Why don't you put them on there for one time? Connor McDavid could go to AEW for a one-time thing, and Chris Jericho, he can maybe, you know, cover a hockey game one time. That has to be that has to be a T, that has to be a deal. AEW TNT NHL TNT do that one day deal please has to be done. Who do you uh, who do you think in the league right now will eventually find themselves in an analyst spot? Because for me, like like we just said, a lot of guys are boring, but there are a few that stand out. For me, I can see PK Subban doing this one day. Oh yeah, I think he would just bring so much flavor to that. So for me, that's my number one choice. Yeah, I don't really have a lot to add to that. I remember when they did the All-Star Weekend and he was mic'd up and it, and he was like the biggest deal. Like it was all on Subban that year. I think it was when he won the Norris or maybe it was the year after. I don't know if you guys remember. He was mic'd up the whole time. I think it was him and Ovi. They were just those two guys. Of course, it'd be those two guys are the most entertaining guys in any room you walk in. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. It would definitely have to be P.K. Subban with his fedora and his really, really bomb-ass suit. Gotta love it. <laughs> so if they're following the NBA kind of thing, you need some champions on the panel. Uh, I don't know. Like, Brian Burke, I think, would have been perfect. But now that he's with Pittsburgh, maybe when he's done with Pittsburgh, because he is getting older, but I don't know, he'd be good for that. Uh, Bissonette. He's doing uh, the spinning chicklets, but if he goes there, that would be something different. PK would be great. I was, yeah, I was just going to say, like, guys that would be really good in terms of an entertainment factor, you know, my cousin Steve, but, you know, now it's in America, so he probably wouldn't be able to do it. But, yeah, like Bissonette, Ryan Whitney, like these guys, they're professional, but at the same time, you could relate with them. They're very funny, they're humorous, they're entertaining. And like we've said, I think the NHL, it's starting to look at, you know, as an industry, as a, you know, we we've, we look at even the MLB. I'm starting to notice like guys like Tatis Jr. and all these young guys, they're making the league a lot more entertaining. And like, do you know what I'm saying? Like baseball entertaining? You guys probably can't even believe that, but it's it's getting a little bit better. But when you look at NHL and you just talk about the same interviews over and over and over. And I remember when I used to play hockey, we would always make fun of it. If someone were to come up to me with a fake mic and say, you know, how was your game? I would do the typical Jonathan Taves. Like, yeah, you know, it was a good game. You know, it played our position well. And uh, that was it. Whereas nowadays, if you're going to TNT and you see across from you, you see Shaq, Kenny, Ernie all waiting for their next segment. Like if I'm, if I'm on the panel for NHL, I got to go all out and be enter- as entertaining as I can. So, I, I mean, I, I'm actually so excited the more we talk about this because I just want to see P.K. Subban just go on there or maybe even a, maybe even like a Gary Bettman or an, o, a, an O-Dog. Imagine O-Dog, you know, having like no script. <laughs> like he would be entertaining as hell on TNT. So a lot they have a lot of options, but I am so, so excited for this opportunity. How long before you hear Don Cherry's name get brought up as a potential one-off for the TNT broadcast? <laughs> I mean, his podcast is doing well, so uh, maybe he's maybe he's too busy to go on TNT now. Uh, maybe he's all ego. I don't know, but I think I think he would I think he wouldn't mind being on maybe one or two shows. <laughs> I, I would love to have him on just one time. <laughs> we'll see him go off. Can you, can, you, can you imagine Don Cherry and then you have like the pro in like a Brian Burke and then on the other side a Bissonette? <laughs> throw Ovi on there too. <laughs> like, oh my god, Bissonette and and freaking uh 
yeah, an old dog or whoever else, that would be that'd be unreal. Like I would uh, and Don, like, imagine Don Cherry, old dog, and Paul Bissonnette. Like I am tuning into that every single day of my life. That is so entertaining. Oh my god, they have to do that. I think uh, when Ovi's caught, whenever he decides to retire, do you think they're already like in the seven years they got it in the deal? Like we're gonna go after Ovi hard when he retires. <laughs> oh my god he's yeah. got to be the shack of this panel <laughs> i feel like he would look at him and be like i need nine million dollar deal though <laughs> <laughs> they need that that way it's like chris you were saying it before they have all these like older professional guys and they know their stuff but you need some of the young blood you need a biz nasty in there you need a younger like a bx is doing great stuff Look in the NBA and there's, you know, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. Everyone has a fucking podcast and all these young guys are coming out with their platforms. So, man, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, like, and, and whether you whether you like it or not, because I know a lot of people will argue, say, you know, I think the NHL has always been the most, one of the most professional leagues in the world. So, um, I've, I've actually heard some people say they don't want it to take that route where it's a lot more entertaining they want it to just be a pros pros industry and in, in the nhl and you know guys like jonathan taves you know they they're all about just being professional even a guy like a Sidney crosby he's just been like even mcdavid dude like this guy he gets 80 points in 40 whatever games but he's all he's all professional man like he's not he's not even animated so um we've seen hints at guys like matthews being animated off screen but like, just imagine, like, actually these guys being themselves on, like, you know what I mean? On TV, it would just be refreshing to just see how everyone kind of reacts to everyday situations in their normal, you know, way instead of, you know, basically reading a script. So it's getting to that point where, yes, it's going to be great to see if it takes that entertaining approach. But at the same time, it's probably going to turn a lot of people off. But you know what? It's a business. You got to take a risk sometimes. Yeah, I think so. Like they have to grow the game at some point. You can't have the same thing. Like you're stuck in the past. Like you look at all the other leagues doing that. They're all selling their game and that's how you grow it. That's the only reason like all these other markets will care. And then maybe you get expansion. You get more teams want to come in, pay more expansion dollars and the owners get rich. So if I'm a NHL owner, I'm happy about this. Uh, but Anything else to add on NHL on TNT? Good, Holmes. Yeah, man. It's all good. All righty. Our next topic, as we were talking about TNT, uh, the king of TNT, the cleaner. Kenny Omega made some history on the weekend. This Sunday at Impact Wrestling Rebellion, he uh, took on Rich Swan. And uh, our boy's got some more gold around his waist. New Impact World Champion. What do you think this is uh, heading with Kenny? And what are your thoughts now? He's got two promotions as world title. He's got the AAA Mega Championship. So Mexico, uh, three different promotions relying on the cleaner. There's a lot going on there in that picture. I think this is what Chris was talking about when... uh... He said this should have been the intro to AEW. Like, this is Kenny Omega. This is our ace. Give him everything forever. And now uh, he's cleaning up, just like you said. Uh, I think he's just going to keep doing his thing on AEW. I look at Impact's uh, roster. I was saying before we went live, I don't like the roster at all. He's going to keep traveling around, (laughs) and he's going to keep putting on instant five-star matches with a lot of guys. But – yeah, he's the guy in AEW. Yeah, um, I don't want to say I told you all, but yeah, this should have happened a long time ago. Uh, when we when we first talk about AEW becoming a company, um, you know, Jericho was obviously the the right choice at the time. You know, he's the guy that's going to get you a lot of publicity, a lot of you know, he's going to promote the crap out of your show. Um, but Kenny Omega, like this guy, he's your number one. He's the guy that's going to you know, put on those five-star matches on a consistent basis. Like you said, he's now the AEW and the TNA world champion. And um, we all knew as soon as we saw the the match card with Rich Swan, he's not going to become the AEW champion. So 
The only bad thing there was that it was predictable, but Rich Swan, man, they beat the shit out of each other. I didn't think it would be as close as it was, but man, this is good for everybody. Like Kenny gets to go to impact when he wants. He's the top dog on AEW. He's got a lot of challengers he can face. I I love this man for, for the company. Um, I said for the, again, this is no knack to to guys like Jericho and Moxley. Their runs were pretty damn solid, but just on what we can see from Omega moving forward, he's 37 years old too. I mean, this is definitely. I want to say he's past his prime, but probably not because it's wrestling, and they go till like 45. So we we've said that Roman Reigns has been doing great stuff all year. I think this is where we're starting to see Kenny Omega. Uh, trying to battle out Roman Reigns' uh, heel run as the best in, of the year. So right now, Kenny Omega is my number one wrestler in the whole world. But man, like him and Roman, the runs that they're going to they're, – well, Roman's already been on an, on an outstanding run, but I think this Kenny Omega run, it's going to be legendary, and it, I think it's just getting started. And uh, like, just thinking about that, like he is on Impact, he is on AEW Weekly. I was just looking; he does make appearances there. So, it should Impact you think have more other guys on AEW, or are you right with just a tag team going over there, and maybe once in a while they'll have a guy come up on Impact for a match or two? Uh, yeah, the first one I'd have some of the Impact guys go and get some more exposure on AEW just because uh, it's looking real thin the last little while. They have some names that have been there for a while. Like James Storm and the Motor City Machine Guns are still there. and They have some nice prospects. I love Deanna Perazzo, but like, I think I'm just waiting for the merger at this point. Like, I would love to see more of their guys on AEW, but when you look at Impact's history, the last, like, five six seven eight years like it's just going downhill a little more each year so um they've been a really good company they've been fun throughout the years but I, i'm waiting for that merger like they've, they've, the two have been linked together since aw started so i think it's where we're pushing towards that yeah um in terms of you know, what we're going to get from Kenny and the roster. I just think, you know, it has to be done, like Pinello said, with the merger. Um, Tessa Blanchard, you know, she was like the run she had as that champ and, and then Brian Cage. And, you know, they, it was all great that year, but that was when Impact was probably at one of its lowest. So Tessa was an absolute like that was a blessing for them but yeah i agree with pinello like it's get, it's getting worse every single year it's getting to that point where AEW just has to buy out TNA and they just got to accept it and merge together and be a great great secondary or maybe even a a, a primary uh we got to wait and see though but like i said Kenny Omega he's doing fantastic stuff and if this means that the merger's coming then Kenny Omega, not only a wrestler, also a businessman. Let's get it going. Yeah, like, and uh, you see the other companies they have partnerships with NWA, and uh, their champ Nick Aldis has had that title now. It seems like forever. Like, I don't think I don't remember the last time. I think it was Cody who beat him. That was a few years ago. So Nick Aldis won the title back. He has a lot of history and impact. So you think that one's next? Kenny versus Nick Aldis for the NWA title. Oh, God, yeah. That's got to be a long-ass build, though. What was his... uh, Holy fuck. Was it Magnus? Was that his name before? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I remember at that, that's when Impact was kind of starting. That was like Aces and Eights days around that time because it was still all like WWE guys jumping ship. And I remember he was the one guy. He was like 24 years old at the time. And I'm like, this is their one and only prospect that impact has ever had because it's just guys jumping ship and that's all it's been. But he, he started his career there for the most part and he's just fucking blossomed ever since going to NWA. So I remember his match with Cody a couple years ago 
in the main event. Um, yeah, he's just been on another level. I think he's still in his early 30s. I'm not sure. So, yeah, that's that's probably on the schedule. Yeah, there's yeah, not not a lot to add to that, Alino. Yeah, so as was uh, <laughs> as you're looking at like what's going on here, and eventually this has to end. So like the big payoff for NWA and Impact and AEW and New Japan and everyone involved. Like I think eventually you're gonna need somebody that Kenny can really build something with that they can have a huge matchup. And uh, I was thinking, like, if this is going to end at some point, uh, you what better way to do it than Kenny versus Okada in AEW? You think that's the big payoff that they need out of this? Uh, for which for which belt? <laughs> All of them, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. So is he? He is the NWA champ too, right? No, no. I think that's the one that would have to be next but like if you're going long term like if you're gonna build this up until maybe next january you think okada has to be the last one if he wins a new japan title oh yeah you you had well i mean okada has that star power that can and that can be that threat to end omega's run and like you said uh i don't really know if there's someone that kenny right now can you know groom to 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 be believable to take the title from him maybe it would have to be like uh what's that guy's name in new japan um fuck he's he's one of my favorites he's he's the one that fucking he uh what's his name starts with an o um osprey osprey it i would say probably him because he's been groomed for the last couple years as that guy that can basically do everything and he's one of the greatest wrestlers in the world so if it's not okada because they do have that history um, I could see it being Will Ospreay. Um, if they really want to go the, I know it's not going to be MJF, but I mean, down the line, he's going to be the next great heel in, in the business. But yeah, I really don't know. There's not a lot of names that pop out. I would say Neville, but again, I mean, I don't really know what he's doing. So uh, I'll, I guess for now I'll say Omega or Osprey are probably the best options. If they have to have someone beat Omega down the line, I don't even know when that is though. Uh, fuck. I completely forgot about Osprey in the terms of, like, big picture match with Kenny, but, like, with Okada, like, yeah, it, it makes sense. Like, they've been linked together forever. They've killed each other over the years. I don't think there's a better matchup for Kenny on a storytelling perspective when you just look at their careers, so... Go at it again. I'm all for it. Uh, lots of options out there when you look at New Japan and the rest of the AEW roster and just around the rest of the world. But the the perfect matchup for Kenny is Okada. Yeah, because, okay, this is why I asked that too. Because Impact, of course, they're going to do this. Like, whoever's in charge of the production and putting all the packages together deserves a raise. <laughs> During uh, the pay-per-view, they had a commercial for Slammiversary, which was in July. And, of course, they're going to tease everybody, all the people that were in Impact before, some people who weren't, they show flags. So they tease Samoa Joe, Chelsea Green, Okada, Nato, Mickey James, <laughs> the Iconics, <laughs> and Andrade as uh, basically joining the company. So do you think, like, they're teasing something where they're going to come out and interrupt Kenny's segment and that's going to be the challenge? Obviously, the men, not the women. I don't see Mickey James challenging Omega, but yeah. <laughs> oh my God! If it's Samoa Joe, I, I'm all in for that. I know, I know, a lot of people still won't probably won't take it seriously, and they'll probably be pissed off if he were be, to be the one to beat Kenny Omega in this beautiful, beautiful reign that he's had in this run. But Samoa Joe kind of deserves it, does he not? Like he's been in TNA forever. It's basically almost like his company. So if he were to go back there at Slammiversary, a pay-per-view that he very much knows well where, like what the stipulation is, how big it is in TNA, I would not be surprised if they gave Samoa Joe the rub and have a singles match with Kenny Omega at Slammiversary. I would not be surprised at all. He's just he's that valuable to TNA. So even if even if I heard Christian Cage you know, face Kenny Omega at Slammiversary. If if 
Christian and, and TNA and AW were to finally merge beforehand, I could see it being either like, come on, guys, it's 2005. You have Christian Cage and Samoa Joe in there. He's taking on the greatest, you know, in, in Kenny Omega. Like, just rewind freaking 16 years later or 16 years before whatever, and you'll have Christian Cage, Samoa Joe taking down Kenny. I like it. Yeah, man. I don't know. I thought Joe's days were over as a as that kind of performer, but if it's on the table and he could still go, you could obviously speak with the best of them. I don't think anyone's going to turn down a Joe and Omega pro, uh, program, but <laughs> Alito, what were the other names you mentioned? Guys at Impact Side? Oh yeah, they they uh, tease them in their commercial by showing like old videos of them mixed in from like 2007. So it was NATO, uh, Okada, Andrade was a Mexican flag, so everyone thinks it's him. Uh, the Australian flag is supposed to be the Iconics, Mickey James, Chelsea Green, and then uh, Samoa Joe. Those fucking trolls. They're. <laughs> Their social media game is the best thing about their company. But uh, Samoa Joe, Kenny Omega, I'm so down. <laughs> like, I, uh, would, I would say Okada, but, like, you're talking about Slammiversary. Yeah, and, TNA. And TNA's history. Like, you just think of, I mean, a month ago we were saying if Sting were to come back and go to TNA, he'd probably be main eventing because that's just how valuable he is with TNA. He's just... You know what I mean? He's been there forever. So that's the only reason why I'm taking Samoa Joe over Okada. It's just because it's TNA, it's Slammiversary, and Samoa Joe is a pioneer. So I, I, I love that. I, I, I really hope someone in AEW is just listening to this because we need to see Samoa Joe, after, what, a year and a half not wrestling, come back, return at Slammiversary, compete, and take down the cleaner. Has to happen. That'd be good. Yeah, you look at the history there. Like, it would make sense. Like, I think they would have to announce it uh, beforehand because of when the contract expires. But uh, TNA Samoa Joe coming out there, little nostalgia. Wouldn't mind that. But uh, another possible thing. I this is probably not going to happen. But let's say uh, this eventually gets some steam going and. Vince McMahon is looking at it, and Triple H gets in his ear. Kenny Omega versus Roman at uh, WrestleMania night one or night two, whatever they do, if it's a, even one big event to sell at that 100,000-seat stadium. And then the ending could be Roman wins, goes over without winning the title. Do you think that would be something they would look at? I mean, yeah. <laughs> they got Kenny Omega. <laughs> um I feel like that's been the plan for years. They just never locked him down. Remember, he was supposed to come uh, at the Royal Rumble a few years ago, and then he signed with AEW eventually. But, yeah, that's just another – I wouldn't say dream match, but when you look at WWE's top guys, and Kenny Omega's been one of the top guys for, I don't know, this whole decade. So we, that probably would be the end goal. The big payoff would be Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Obviously, we've seen him in AJ and – He's pretty much worked with everyone over there that's been around on the indies for a little while. So him and Roman would be fun. WrestleMania, one night, none of this night one, two bullshit. Let's get just fit it on one day. Good times. So that would close the show. And that would be a spectacle for sure. Yeah, that's the definition of a dream match. Kenny Omega and Roman Reigns. It's like, come on, man. That's fucked. They're both on the top of their game right now. Uh, Roman, you know, being the, the head of the table, you know, I think come Friday, we're going to see the end of Daniel Bryan on SmackDown. So that's that. Um, Kenny Omega is never going to go to WWE. And it sucks because we think about these beautiful moments and these beautiful matches that can happen. But it's Kenny Omega. He's an AEW. He's not going to WWE. It sucks. I know. But it's it it's just it is what it is. But again, of course, that is the end goal is for to get Kenny Omega to main event WrestleMania against the Roman Reigns. Oh my god, that's just Yeah, that's too good to be true, and it's not gonna ever happen. So 
that's that's it with that. I I don't want to talk about it anymore and getting my hopes and dreams up. So <laughs> that's it. I'm done talking about that. Let's just enjoy the fact that Kenny's doing unreal things in AEW and Roman is at the top of his game in the WWE. And AEW's ratings now back to back weeks where it was over a million. Uh, you think that's? I know a lot of people are saying it's good, but is it disappointing when you think like there's no more NXT? Like, should uh, the I guess the goal be two million each week, or you think this is still a win right now, being a million each week now? Yeah, I guess it's good for now. I think the goal every week should be just to improve on your number the week before, and just keep focusing on your product. They keep going by numbers every week. Like, oh, we had more this week than last week. They're going to drive themselves up the fucking wall. So for now, I'll say it's a win. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Don't don't necessarily focus on the numbers. Like, you, like, obviously focus on them, but don't focus to the point where it ruins the product and ruins, you know, the process. So it's it's already a win. They, they made NXT move night. So that's already a win in itself. Um, in terms of viewership, uh, I would maybe, yeah, maybe anticipate, maybe not 2 million right away, but maybe, yeah, like 1.3, 1. 1. 1.4 on a consistent not, on a consistent week, just based off of now there's no NXT. There's no excuses for, for fans to say, oh, I'm, I'm too tired. I can't watch both. I got to just watch one. So now you actually have the option where only one is on. So I wouldn't be surprised if AEW's numbers started to skyrocket with, you know, the appeal of uh, Kenny Omega holding a number of titles and, you know, the tag teams going back and forth from Impact to uh, to the AEW. So with a merger, you know, kind of lingering and might happen, I think the viewership is only going to get better from here on out in AEW. Do you think it would force, finally, WWE to step up their game? Because I don't know if you can watch Raw for three hours. It's pretty fucking boring. So... You think if AEW were to just pop a rating one week, it would finally, you know, they would stop with whatever Alexa Bliss is doing and get on with the actually entertaining programming? <laughs> I think for uh, for Vince to notice, they would have to consistently beat them in the ratings for like a few months straight. And then he'll be like, okay, time to put the foot on the gas here. Stop fucking around. Because a guy like Vince, like, he's... Obviously, no one knows him personally. He seems pretty stubborn, and he's going to stick to his ways and what he says goes. It's still his kingdom. He runs it the same way all the time, so he always comes out on top regardless of how he does it. I wouldn't be too worried if I'm him. Even if they do beat him in the ratings, I'm sure he's got something up his sleeve. They All the fucking talents in WWE. There's so many resources there. There's like 50 fucking brands. They're on every single night. I'm not worried if I'm Vince McMahon. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried if I'm Vince, but at the same time, uh, when AEW first became uh, a, a company, I just anticipated them to maybe try a little harder, and I haven't really got that vibe from WWE. Uh, like they, like I thought they would have done a lot better things with the Fiend, especially the timing. You know, of his debut in AEW. Um, being around for, I want to say, like a couple months in 2019. And then The Fiend came, and I really think they could have done better things with The Fiend and maybe elevated viewership, but that never really happened. So, yeah, like Pinello said, I think the only way how WWE could really, really get better is if AEW passes them in the vi- in the ratings on a consistent night because we all know Triple H, he's not looking at AEW. He's just – he's not – he's not about – like competing with AEW the way that at least he thinks he sees it. He sees it as just two wrestling companies. They're not being competitive as all, but then of course there's Vince McMahon and how old school he is as a businessman. He, he takes everything, you know, as competition and uh, that's what's made Vince McMahon thrive for years. So um, I kind of want to see AEW pass WWE for a couple of weeks, maybe a month. And I want to see how WWE reacts because they have been, the number one for wrestling forever. And if another company can start, you know, challenging as that number one um, network, then I think WWE can start doing some great things again with the Cesaro, with the Fiend, with, with a lot of guys that are being underutilized. So um, right now I feel like creative in WWE is taking a bit of a step back, of course, you know, with storylines with, you know, Randy Orton's story just kind of ending and becoming a face now. 
So I, I don't know. It's going to be tough. Vince is just uh, waiting for the playoffs to start because he's the number one seed. Everyone else is the eighth seed. The eighth seed will win the first game, though, and then he'll be like, okay, you little squirts. That was nice. Now it's time to take over. Yeah, it's like it's like he he knows he has options. It's like, oh, you wanna you wanna have Kenny Omega have three titles? All right, uh, let's look let's let's go to NXT. Okay, we got Gargano, Cole, and Ciampa. All right, you're all you're all getting called up now. Let's go. And it's like, okay, there it is. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, Vince will always have the support. Always. I think uh, I agree with you guys. I, I just think it's they might be in a little bit of autopilot mode. I just think if. Just a few weeks, AEW. Like I don't think they're gonna ever like surpass them, but just a few weeks, get some wins under their belt and rating wars, and Vince McMahon can go back into like fucking war mode, and you know, <laughs> just go right back to the table, the drawing board, and get that uh, competitive fire back in him because he's fucking ruthless. You know, like he'll probably go in and say, "All right, you want to do that? Okay, The Rock's coming back Monday this week. Austin's coming back the week after." Uh, we got to do some entertaining things with this guy, that guy. You'll throw like a curveball in another storyline. So I just think he needs that competition and it will force him to be having more entertaining product because I think he's just an autopilot right now, which is unfortunate. Ruthless Vince is the best Vince. So if someone's got to light that fire underneath his ass, hopefully it's AEW because I would just would love to see Vince bury them. <laughs> Go, 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 go. Take me to that son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, Cody. Yeah, I'll fucking offer you 12 million. Come back to WWE now, made of enter. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, on that note, guys, uh, we're going to call it a week this week. This was fun. We talked about the Wizards being on a roll with Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, uh, going up into playoff area and uh, NHL on TNT. Uh, Jerry signed a big deal. That guy should be praised now by all the NHL teams instead of buried all the time with lockouts. So uh, Jerry redeemed himself at a boy. Not so and, cheap anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and our boy, the cleaner, is now another world champion in another promotion. So uh, that's all for this week's episode, episode 128. Stick around. Check out some of the upper, other episodes in the past. Uh, follow us, subscribe, leave a nice review if you can, and We'll see you next week.